Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the Ladies Promoting Transparent Advocacy Podcast. I am your podcast host, Shay Pate. Well, it's another wonderful Women Wednesday. And this is an interesting Wednesday because the news just keeps changing over and over and over again. And since everybody knows the President of the United States has just come home from Walter Reed Hospital, even though he still has COVID-19, he is back at the White House. And it was really disturbing to me. I kept hearing about it as I was trying to figure out what everybody was talking about. And a video popped up, I guess he's sharing on Twitter, where he's pretty much telling everybody, first of all, that he took it for the team. He had to get COVID to make sure we had the vaccines, to make sure it worked. And he's pretty much calling himself the guinea pig and telling everybody that it's really not as bad as everybody is making it out to be. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I don't know anybody who volunteers to take the hit for a disease that we already know has killed over 211,000 people and counting. So I was really turned off to see that he's trying to make it look like I'm your president. I'm going to take the hit and get COVID and see if we can get a vaccine to cure me so I can show all my supporters in America that it's really nothing more than a regular cold. But people forget several things involved in that. First of all, he is not totally cured. His own doctor said that. And secondly, he had the nerve to say that let it dominate you. Don't be scared of coronavirus. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I'm scared. And it isn't just dominating an individual. It's dominating the world and especially United States of America. I want you guys to listen to this. I'm very disappointed about this uh, comment he made. I'm going to let you listen to the comment in his own voice. And then I want to play some video from a young lady who not only was affected by this when her father passed away, who was a Trump supporter, but she's turned into an activist regarding this. And I just want you guys to listen to these videos. I just left Walter Reed Medical Center, and it's really something very special. The doctors, the nurses, the first responders, and I learned so much about coronavirus. And one thing that's for certain, don't let it dominate you. Don't be afraid of it. You're going to beat it. We have the best medical equipment. We have the best medicines, all developed recently. And you're going to beat it. I went, I didn't feel so good. And two days ago, I could have left two days ago. Two days ago, I felt great, like better than I have in a long time. I said just recently, better than 20 years ago. Don't let it dominate. Don't let it take over your lives. Don't let that happen. We're the greatest country in the world. We're going back. We're going back to work. We're going to be out front. As your leader, I had to do that. I knew there's danger to it, but I had to do it. I stood out front. I led. Nobody that's a leader would not do what I did. And I know there's a risk. There's a danger, but that's okay. And now I'm better and maybe I'm immune. I don't know. But don't let it dominate your lives. Get out there. Be careful. We have the best medicines in the world. And it all happened very shortly. And they're all getting approved. And the vaccines are coming momentarily. 
Thank you very much. And Walter Reed, what a group of people. Thank you very much. I don't know about you guys, but I am afraid and it is dominating the world. And there is no way on this earth, no one in their right mind would volunteer to get coronavirus because he's making it sound like I did this so I could prove to you guys that you can beat it and I'm going to be the one to get a vaccine. He didn't do that on purpose. If he actually even got it, I'm just going to put it out there. But he didn't do it on purpose. And if you look at when he got off the helicopter and went up them steps and took that mask off, Everybody talked about it. So if you saw it, you know what I'm about to say. He was literally gasping for air. So I don't know what he's trying to. Well, I guess what he's trying to do is convince his supporters who still will not wear a mask that it's OK. Don't wear a mask. Going to get sick. You're going to be OK. But everybody keeps forgetting that he is the president of the United States and the most powerful person in the whole free world. So he's not going to get the same medical treatment that you or I would get. So don't, is he going to say, don't, don't let these words fool you and think you can't get it. So what I want to do is play this young lady's video from her speech at the DNC talking about her father, who was a Trump supporter and listened to the president and went on out after he thought it was cool to go out without masks. And not only did he catch the coronavirus, he died. And I was so glad she came on television right after this speech, which all this happened on Tuesday, excuse me, Monday, October 5th. And you are listening to things two days after the fact. But I want you guys to still listen to what her and her family has gone through and I do not want you to think that it's okay to walk around without social distancing and wearing a mask because the president said, even if you get it, it's not a big deal. Don't be scared. So listen to this and tell me if you're afraid, because one thing's for sure, I am. I'm one of the many who has lost a loved one to COVID. My dad, Mark Anthony Arquisa, should be here today, but he isn't. He had faith in Donald Trump. He voted for him, listened to him, believed him and his mouthpieces when they said that coronavirus was under control and going to disappear, that it was okay to end social distancing rules before it was safe, that if you had no underlying health conditions, you'd probably be fine. So in late May, after the stay-at-home order was lifted in Arizona, my dad went to a karaoke bar with his friends. A few weeks later, he was put on a ventilator after five agonizing days, he died alone in the ICU with a nurse holding his hand. My dad was a healthy 65-year-old. His only pre-existing condition was trusting Donald Trump, and for that, he paid with his life. I am not alone. Once I told my story, a lot of people reached out to me to share theirs. They asked me to help them keep their communities safe, especially communities of color, have been disproportionately affected. They asked me, a normal person, to help because Donald Trump won't. The coronavirus has made it clear that there are two Americas, the America that Donald Trump lives in and the America that my father died in. Enough is enough. Donald Trump may not have caused the coronavirus, but his dishonesty and his irresponsible actions made it so much worse. We need a leader who has a national coordinated 
data-driven response to stop this pandemic from claiming more lives and to safely reopen the country. That was Christine's speech that she did at the Democratic National Convention. Now, she was live on television talking about the president coming home from Walter Reed. Of course, they went to her because they wanted to see what her response was when she saw him take his mask off before he went into the White House. So I was glad that they were able to contact her and see how she felt on Monday, October 5th, when she saw those actions. And here's Christina's response to that. In June, she said he died because he trusted President Trump. And I know, Kristen, you and I have spoken. You were telling your father, take this seriously, wear a mask. And he was saying, the president says, I don't need to. I'm going to listen to him. Let me ask you your reaction when you see the president get off that helicopter, go up. And the first thing he does for the cameras after being in the hospital for three days and still having coronavirus is take off his mask. Thanks for having me again. I got to be honest with you. At this point, I think the president of the United States is the most dangerous person in the world. He is continuing to spread misinformation about this virus, not only through his words, but through his actions. Uh, by taking off his mask and entering into the White House, he is sim signaling to his people and to his supporters that it is the strong person's will to go forward with the virus as is and everybody will be fine. But that simply is putting people at risk for contracting this deadly disease, and it's appalling. He also said, as I mentioned in that same tweet, I feel better than I did 20 years ago. He, of course, is on an incredibly potent steroid at this time. You know, you just said it really beautifully, Kristen, right? That the image he's projecting is that if you're just strong and tough, that the virus is, is nothing. Obviously, that is a false statement. You watched a strong and tough person in your life, your father, battle the virus for two weeks, go on a ventilator. And he's not with you now. So when the president says, I feel better than I did 20 years ago, what do you say to him? The thing that we're seeing play out, Aaron, is what I talked about also at the DNC, that there are two Americas in this country. Donald Trump's America and the America my dad died in. Had my dad had the opportunity to have the type of care, the abundance of caution, he may still be here with us today. But instead, my dad and so many other people were told and are being told to go home and come back when you can't breathe. A completely different level of care that is, very clear, obviously, um, from what we've seen in terms of the treatment, the going home, the drugs as well. You right now, I know, are self-quarantining, right? Because as you mentioned, you spoke at the DNC, you were at the front row of the presidential debate on Tuesday. Uh, others who are there are, are not doing that. Um, nine people tested positive at that Rose Garden event, um, right, where Amy Coney Barrett was having her, uh, you know, Supreme Court announcement. Um, you can just look here at the what we actually saw where they sat. That's nine and counting. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so you, you Vice President Pence, of course, has been tested now every day since then, has still tested, uh, has still tested negative. What do you say to those who, who have been there who are not self-quarantining, those who were at the debate where you were who are not self-quarantining as you are? It is fundamental um, that we use simple things to keep each other safe. I've since been tested, and I also have tested negative. But the idea that that could be a false negative keeps me in my quarantine until I am 14 days on the other side because I care about human life and I couldn't imagine potentially putting somebody's in life life in jeopardy just so that I can go about my day to day and it's a small sacrifice one has to t- make in order to uphold the sanctity of life Kristen thank you very much I appreciate your time. I appreciate you coming back on. Well, audience, after that stunt, yes, uh, on Monday, October 5th, Tuesday, October 6th, the first former first lady, Michelle Obama, had a whole bunch to say to President Trump, and she had a whole bunch to say to the voters. I'm not going to play her entire video, which is, well, the audio of her video, which is over 24 minutes. But I'm just going to play the first couple of minutes because I really want you guys to listen to her. If you think voting don't count, you might want to think again. Believe it or not, the election is right around the corner. Votes are already being cast. And if you're still deciding who to vote for or whether to vote at all, I wanted to take a moment to remind you what's at stake and to urge you to make a plan to vote today. Because let's be honest, right now our country is in chaos because of a president who isn't up to the job. And if we want to regain any kind of stability, we've got to ensure that every eligible voter is informed and engaged in this election. Because the stakes are on display every day, not just in the headlines, but in our families. If you're a parent like me, You're feeling the consequences of this president's failure to take this pandemic seriously from his constant downplaying of the importance of masks and social distancing to his relentless pressure on schools to open without offering a clear plan or meaningful support to keep students and teachers safe. Our daughters are in college now, and luckily they're taking classes from home this semester. But in just a few weeks since schools have resumed, many of their friends who return to campus have either tested positive or are living with someone who has. Yes, it's anecdotal, of course, and everybody wants their kids back in school as soon as it's safe. But as a mom, it is frightening thinking about all these young people who were just our babies yesterday, quarantined alone in dorms or apartments with little or no support as the disease continues to spread, unable to come home if their symptoms get worse. Just imagine the toll that worry is taking on families across this country. Yes, thankfully there's some relief in knowing that most cases in young people are mild. I pray every day that no one faces longer term consequences to this disease. But the truth is we just don't know yet. And we simply cannot trust this president to tell us the truth about anything. Meanwhile, parents with younger kids are dealing with 
another set of stresses from grade schoolers who want to learn but struggle to connect with their teacher through a screen to schools that open and close with little advance notice, leaving everyone in an endless cycle of uncertainty. Too many parents are still juggling two jobs and multiple kids without any support, not to mention the millions of families anxious about making rent or getting internet access or affording childcare. It's painful to think that months into this crisis, this is still where we are with no clear plan, no peace of mind. And the worst part is it didn't have to be like this. Look around the world. So many other countries aren't experiencing this level of extended suffering and uncertainty. These countries were hit by the same virus as we were. They had the same kind of resources to contain it as we did. But what they didn't have to contend with was this president, a man who had every resource at his disposal. The finest medical experts, our best intelligence, and yet ignored all the advice and failed to produce a plan to provide enough tests for worried families or protective equipment for our healthcare workers. I don't know how much video or audio you all have to see or hear to realize how serious coronavirus is. I was doing some research as usual, and I saw a clip on Good Morning America where they were interviewing this woman live from her hospital bed. Her name is Rosa Felipe. She's a beloved healthcare worker at Jackson Memorial Hospital, and she's facing the possibility of losing her hands after nearly five month long battle with the coronavirus. Actually, she was one of the first people to be diagnosed with the virus on March 9th. She says her work at the hospital puts her at great risk. She quotes, my job is to be the EEG tech. I run around everywhere, trauma included, and do EEGs on vulnerable patients. Now this woman is in the fight for her life and now may even lose her fingers because the oxygen wasn't getting to them. I'm going to play the clip. I'm glad this is audio because the video is very, um, um, it's grueling. So this is uh, Robin Roberts was talking to one of the reporters on Good Morning America named Juju. Juju was talking to this lady while she was literally in her hospital bed. And I'm thankful that she's going to be okay. She may not have her fingers, but she's going to survive it, hopefully. So don't listen when you hear it's not real and it's just something that we can get over and don't be afraid. You should be very afraid. This woman has young children too. It doesn't even matter if she has kids, but the fact is, you know, you want to hug and pick up your kids and she may not have any fingers. This is very disturbing. And a note before we bring you this report by 360's Randy K. Some images may be disturbing, but it's important for you to see. Rosa, nice to see you. Nice to see you too. This is the only way we could see Rosa Felipe. The 41-year-old mother of two young boys has been hospitalized at Jackson Memorial Hospital in Miami since early March after testing positive for COVID-19. She's fighting to survive inside the very same hospital where she worked for more than 15 years as an electroencephalograph or EEG technician, testing brain activity in patients. I do all of the EEGs wherever they're needed, whether it's in the emergency room or trauma 
or in a separate floor. So you would travel around the hospital quite a bit and possibly got exposed. Quite a bit, quite a bit. You were seeing a lot of patients. A lot of patients, yes. Rosa has two underlying conditions that put her at even greater risk, asthma and diabetes. It got so bad, doctors put her on a ventilator to help her breathe. I actually asked the doctor for a piece of paper before being intubated and I, and I wrote on the paper to my children. I wanted them not to give up and not to be upset with God because this was if, if something were to happen to me, this was his will and I didn't want him to be upset with God. I wanted them to be loving and happy that God allowed us to have the time that we did have. And then after that, I just gave it all up to God. Rosa spent two months on the ventilator. It saved her life. I am still grateful that I'm alive. Grateful that I made it. But now Rosa has another problem. While on the ventilator, she may have developed blood clots. Her hands were likely starved of circulation and oxygenation, so her fingers turned black. My fingers are going to fall off. Um, let me see if I can show you my hands. Yeah, and, that, and that's because they weren't getting any blood. Exactly. Which is in better shape. Rosa's hands may have to be amputated. At the very least, she says, she will lose many of her fingers. Rosa's family wasn't sure she'd even survive. Her sister told me she was already planning her funeral. What keeps Rosa going is the thought of seeing her children again, who she hasn't seen since she was hospitalized in March. When do you think you'll be able to see your children again? To me, it can't be seen enough. For me, it can't be soon enough. But I know, I know, I know that in the end, I'm going to be with them. I know that. So that's what keeps me focused. And it keeps me wanting to heal and wanting to get out of here, fully restored. Alone in her hospital room for more than five months now, Rosa admits she's had some dark thoughts. So more than ever, she treasures life's sweet joys. On my behalf, could you please congratulate um, Anderson Cooper on his baby? I certainly will. These are the things you think about He's when you're so laying in the hospital bed. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy that he has a baby that is so cute. Well, I will share your blessings with Anderson and Wyatt. Thank you so much. <laughs> I don't know about you all, but I think we should be very afraid of COVID. Just listening to not just Christine's story, it's so many people's stories, but Rosa Felipe, I think that kind of puts everything in perspective. She was a frontline worker at the hospital, and now not only was she or is she still fighting for her life, she may lose some fingers. So, everybody, I don't think you should really take that as the advice that the president said, that it's no big deal and don't be afraid and don't let it dominate your life because it's dominating everybody's life. And I just want to read something um, on my Twitter feed from when, excuse me, from yesterday on Tuesday. I want to read something that came up and it says Trump says he is ending COVID-19 relief negotiations until after the election. You hear that? After the election. It says President Trump announced on Tuesday afternoon that he has rejected the Democrats' latest stimulus proposal, claiming that House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is not negotiating in good faith. Earlier on Tuesday, Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell warned of a tragic economic consequences 
if additional stimulus was not provided to overcome the impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, he just got home on Monday and he did this tweet on Tuesday. So everybody, this is Wednesday, October 7th, 2020. I don't know what else can be said for you to not believe that COVID-19 is real. So please wear your mask, stay social distance, and whatever you have to do to keep safe, to trust your gut. Listen to the scientists. Don't listen to any of the politicians, whether they're Republican or Democrat, because the reality is this is real. It's not discriminatory. It does not pick you based on your political party. I hope you guys really pay attention and really realize that COVID-19 is no joke. And I say, be very afraid. Well, guys, this is the end of my wonderful Women Wednesday. I'm actually excited about our fantastic Fellas Friday because I decided that I would honor the wonderful Dr. Fauci. Dr. Fauci is America's doctor right now. And when I was doing research on him for uh, Friday's show, I didn't realize he had did an interview with the rapper Fat Joe, who has his own talk show, or I don't know if it's on cable or what, but I found the actual video where you're only seeing Dr. Fauci, but it was actually a really decent uh, conversation that I didn't expect. He, Fat Joe was asking Dr. Fauci questions that we probably have asked each other, or if we had an opportunity to ask Dr. Fauci, we would ask him. So for that reason, all 15 minutes of that interview, I am definitely going to ear this Friday on Fantastic Fellas Friday, because uh, you got to look at it. We got Fat Joe and Fauci. So we just FFF and all the way around this Friday. So I look forward to uh, doing that. So I hope you guys got some information out of this episode and I appreciate you for listening. If you have any questions or comments, as always, hit us up at 404-855-7723 or you can send us an email at podcasthostshaypate19 at gmail.com. And I just want to make a a point about audio. Anyone who has listened to any broadcast, whether it's the morning news or the evening news or anything, you will realize there's a lot of audio issues everywhere. So when I'm recording my audio, everything is still on the same volume. Nothing's altered. If anything, I'm turning it up to amplify it because of the bad audio that I'm recording from. For example, with Miss Felipe, She's in the hospital. She's calling into video. Video's calling in, and that was Anderson Cooper's report, and I apologize. I saw it on Good Morning America, but I liked the interview on uh, Anderson Cooper better, and she mentioned his son he adopted. So that was the one that I ended up playing for you guys to listen to, and it was actually a more detail. But um, I just want to mention the audio issues because unlike live interviews, or just a basic calling. I'm getting audio based on whoever's calling in, whether it's a Skype or a WebEx or whatever. Then it's going into the network. Then the net, I mean, it's like so many levels by the time I get it, then I have to put it into my, um, 
equipment and then turn it into a MP3 wave file. So it's a lot of a lot of things going on with the audio right now and everybody being from uh, calling in from home or from different places. So you got a lot of components with audio. I'm keeping my audio the same. I'm trying to amplify things that aren't quite as loud or clear. Obviously, my voice is extremely loud, so I apologize. But um, just be patient with the audio. Some of the audio, I just can't. There's nothing I can do about it. There's nothing the engineers can do about it because if you're getting it through three or four different channels, by the time it gets to you, uh, you know that game where they tell you a secret and then they whisper something in your ear and you go down the line. And by the time it gets to the last person and they're asked to repeat what they heard, it is never the same. Very few times it is. And sometimes there's a few words, but very seldom is it exactly how it started out. So take that in consideration when you listen to my podcast episodes while we're social distancing. But I hope overall you enjoy them. So I ask that you follow us, not just on Podbean, but also on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Pandora, and yes, Alexa, tune in. But if nothing else, follow us on Twitter. Our name is at Advocacy Ladies, capital A is in Advocacy, capital L is in Ladies. And you know, I like to end all my episodes with the question, what do you have to say? Thank you for listening.